Billy here, in an old-timey accent. Uh, hey, before we get going with Jake, a bit of shameless promotion. Uh, please rate and subscribe the podcast if you like it. Leave feedback in the ratings or questions you want me to ask or guests you want me to have on. Also, feel free to reach out via Twitter at Billy underscore Draper. Uh, if you're a coffee or tea drinker, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. It's a relatively short one, but we covered a lot of ground, and I got a little weird at the end, as usual, with some fun questions. Um, quick story, I was in Toronto a couple days ago for work, and a guy ran up to me and said he listens to the pod. I got his card, and so I wanted to shout him out because it made me really happy. Donish Damani, he's an entrepreneur, runs a company called Ori. Um, anyways, thank you, Donish. You made my day. Before the interview, I think it may be helpful for you to check out fellowproducts.com or at fellowproducts on Instagram to get a sense of the design aesthetic of Jake and his team. Or you can go in cold turkey and just imagine really awesome, really high quality coffee and tea accessories. Without further ado, Jake Miller from Fellow Products. Um, so he's like, hey, I want the electric and polished. Um, and like, we don't have it. And he looks into the back office and sees uh, a copper electric kettle. And it was the only prototype that we had in the United States. We're gonna launch this color in, in a few months. Um, and he's like, I want that. Uh, so we, we made a trade with him where we gave him the copper kettle in, in exchange for a picture with the team. Welcome everybody to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I'm a venture capitalist at Draper Associates, but on this show, we're gonna be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we have Jake Miller from Fellow Products. He teaches us how a Kickstarter campaign launched his quest for coffee perfection. All right, so I am really excited for this interview. Um, so today on the show, we have Jake Miller, founder and CEO of Fellow Products. Jake, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks, Billy. I'm excited to be here. So first off, what is Fellow? Fellow, we exist to design and manufacture tools to help people brew great coffee at home. So we're trying to make it easier for people to brew the perfect cup of coffee. So one thing I like about this, and it's something I think about for, for a lot of the guests on the show, is you're clearly obsessed with coffee. Like you're a true coffee purist, or at least it comes off that way. Timing your steeps, weighing your beans, grind versus cut. Um, I, I sort of get the sense that you don't mess around. When did you decide to make this your livelihood and, and what were you doing before? Yeah, so... I so I actually started fellow when I was a grad student, uh, but before grad school, I was a brand manager for Caribou Coffee. They're out of the Midwest, Caribou was about 500 stores at the time. You know, got to work with the roast masters and travel to coffee growing regions to to visit the farms and kind of fell in love with coffee there. But never thought that I would go back into coffee after grad school. Um, I always knew that I wanted to design physical products and kind of after doing some soul searching, kind of connected the two worlds and said, hey, I really love coffee. I love making things. Let's put these together and design great coffee products. 
and how, how did you get from there to making it your making it a living? There's a difference between I want to design, you know, a cool coffee accessory, and hey, I think we can really make a business out of this. Yeah, big difference. Uh, and it, I think it took us a couple of years to go from a cool accessory to an actual business. So I was at grad school at Stanford at the time and took a class called Launchpad in the D school. And the idea with Launchpad is you go from idea to company in 12 weeks. So in those 12 weeks, you know, we, we built multiple prototypes, got the product in front of users. And by the end of the semester, had a product that we thought um, people might actually pay for. Um, you know, but you don't really know. And we didn't have the money to pay for the tooling to produce the product at scale. So we launched Duo, our very first product, which is kind of our take on the, the French press, uh, launched it on Kickstarter. And coming, you know, I did, was graduated in the in a June of 2013 and said, hey, if we put this up on Kickstarter and it's successful, like, I'm going to go full time with this and see if I can make it work. We launched on Kickstarter. Uh, our goal was 50,000. We did that in the first 36 hours and uh, ended the campaign just short of 200,000. The the funny part of that story is, you know, fast forward 12 months and it actually took us about $300,000 to deliver on a $200,000 campaign. Uh, but uh, no regrets. It was the product that got fellow at start. Yeah, that's often the story with Kickstarter. It takes a little <laughs> longer. It's a little more challenging. The cycles, the supply chain cycles never quite come through how you expect them to. Um, and you mentioned, so you started with Kickstarter. How have you funded the business since then? Yeah, so I, I believe, like, at least in our space, we needed to be more than just a product. Uh, you know, we needed to be a brand that offered a portfolio of products and really a, a complete solution to our customers. Um, so, you know, continued to design new products. Um, to design products two and three, we, we post Kickstarter, we did decide we needed to raise some money. But being in Silicon Valley, we weren't the, you know, the hot tech startup. We were the you know, coffee hardware company. Um, we're not going to be the next Facebook. So raising money was was quite difficult. I probably met with 75 investors, um, you know, got no after no after no, and then stumbled across, uh, you know, an investor. His name is Jerry Mix, um, who loves physical products. He started a couple product companies in the past, and he said, hey, you know, I don't think this, is, this first product is, is all you got. Like, let's get some some money behind this and see what you can do. Uh, and then over the next couple of years, we launched product two, three, and four. And was that your only round of financing thus far outside of Kickstarter? We've only, um, so the, the initial, after Jerry invested, we got a couple other uh, angel investors uh, to participate. And all funding since that first round has been from that initial core of investors. So this, the first people who were involved four years ago have been the people to support the growth up to this point. And how did you decide on the name Fellow? Yeah, we, especially coffee can be pretentious at times. Uh, you know, we didn't want to be stuck up. We, you know, we wanted to design and build beautiful products, but we wanted those products to be approachable. Uh, and we needed that approachability to come through in the brand. So we landed on the name Fellow, um, and in that in that name, there's a, a hidden guy with a bow tie, and he's kind of who we call the guide in the pursuit of great coffee. So the name Fellow is supposed to kind of be that friend in that pursuit. How is your demographic skew, male versus female? Fellow seems like it might skew a little bit male, but is that the case with your your buyers? Yeah, we are. 
so especially coffee in general skews slightly male. Um, so I, I, th I think we, we mirror the demographic of the, of the industry, um, at least within coffee. We've, we've had pretty good success in more mainstream like specialty stores like Crate and Barrel and Williams-Sonoma and design stores like New York MoMA, where that audience I think will skew a little bit more female. Um, so I don't think we're 50-50, but we're probably close. And how did you decide on pricing? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously price to value, not to cost. Uh, but the reality is like we, we know the, what the cost of our products make. We know, you know, what we're able to sell them for, what a retailer would buy them for. So first and foremost, we need to make sure that that price gives us the margin to continue to grow the business. Um, and we, we, we are, uh, you know, our, our pour over kettle is, you know, 69 or $79 depending on the color that you get. But, uh, we are what we call an affordable luxury, but we don't want we we want to be priced at a premium to reflect our quality. But we didn't want to price ourselves out of the market. You know, we didn't. A, a Lessie, for example, makes a three hundred dollar kettle. Uh, you know, we didn't want to be that. And you started off, as I understand it, you started direct to consumer, and then you started to build these retail relationships. How? What was the thinking there, and and how much of your business is coming direct versus going through retail? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We 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 started off direct um, through through Kickstarter and then FellowProducts.com, uh, and then kind of our our next channel was independent coffee shops. So the the passionate maybe mom and pop shops um, who are much easier and quicker to sell into than the big retailers. So we went direct to the independent shops, then to the big specialty retailers, and the, the big specialty retailers will have lead times of 12 or 18 months. So we had to kind of bridge um, the gap between the individual store and the, and the big chain. And do you like the control of, of the direct-to-consumer business, or do you like sort of, or do you feel a little liberated that, that uh, the retailer takes on some of the marketing uh, pressure and expense, or, or how are you finding that uh, balance? Yeah, I... I Listen, I, I wish we could sell every product directly to the customer and have that personal relationship. But to reach the scale that we need to, to reach to support the business that we want to have, we, we have to play in these national chains. You know, we're not going to be in the targets of the world, but we do you know, love the exposure we get through Crate and Barrel. Um, you know, the, but the sweet spot is like what I get excited about is when I walk into – some cool specialty coffee shop in like a back alley in Chicago and they have our products on the shelf. Like that pumps me up. And where are you having success finding new customers? Yeah, we are. So at, right now we're about one third direct, uh, one third us retail and one third international. So we found, uh, international dis distributors or partners in, in about 25 countries. Um, and if I look at our growth potential, you know, I think each of those buckets are probably going to grow together and we're going to see that one third, one third, one third split uh, just continue to play out as our top line grows. And you're leading or seemingly you're leading the charge on this high end, as you said, luxury coffee accessory market. But it's insanely competitive. You know, you have all the big kitchen brands and their grinders and their French presses and their kettles and accessories, and then 
the sort of smaller, more unique product offerings by other smaller companies, um, how do you differentiate? How do you go beat out the competition at their own game? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's a competitive space. You know, you know, any category that's growing at, at the pace that specialty coffee is growing is going to attract um, a talent, right? They're, we're going to have more and more competition. Um, on the product side, you know, we talk a lot internally about being beautifully functional. So we want to make products that look great but function to the level of a professional barista's demands. And I think if we can kind of hit that on the head, um, it's going to be hard for some of our competitors to match that. Also, in terms of brand, uh, we like to think of ourselves as a, a approachable friend brand. Like, again, we want to be this friend in the pursuit of great coffee. So we opened a store on Valencia Street uh, in December, and you know, our whole team works out of that store, right? So at any point in time, any of our customers can walk in and just brew a cup of coffee with us, uh, which I don't think you know they're going to get that kind of connection with some of these bigger brands. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really like about the brand in particular, not only is it seems like every product you create is masterful and beautiful. So c- congratulations on that. Like it's a lot of them look like works of art and I encourage everyone to go look them up. Um, but it's, it also seems you're very intentional with your word choice, um, you know, and language throughout the brand. You call the ratio aid, the prismo, the tasting glass. Uh, the carafe. It feels like you're in a wine cellar sipping an aged Pinot. Uh, I just think you've done an incredible job with your branding and your marketing throughout. Um, so I just wanted to, I don't have a question. I'm just a fan. So good job there. Um, Thanks, Billy. Absolutely. And what challenges did you face on the other end? What challenges did you face uh, early on? And did you ever think about giving up? Uh, great question. Um I'll answer the second question first. Like, did I did I ever think about giving up? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think it was an option. Uh, you know, once once we took that initial investment, um, you know, I was committed to this company and I was committed to seeing it through. I wasn't going to walk away from that. Um, that that doesn't mean that there weren't tough times where I thought that you know, you know, we might fail, um, but I wasn't going to give up and walk away from it. Uh, and in terms of you know, what was most challenging early on, um, I'd, I'd say two things. First, I, I started this company by myself and it took about uh, two years, a year and a half to get our first employee. You know, if I were to do this again, I'd go into this with a, with a co-founder. You know, I, I am not an engineer. Um, I'm, I'm a marketer. Um, I would, would have launched this company with an engineering co-founder. Uh, the second challenge uh, for us and continues to be a challenge for us is, is cash flow. Uh, you know, we're paying for, you know, tooling up front before we get any revenue. We're buying inventory at, at times 120 days before we get paid from the retailers on that product that we buy. Um, so it's a constant fight to, you know, have enough cash to support the growth that we want to see. Is there any way you can change that financing relationship or is that sort of the market standard? So we, we don't have much leverage on uh, with with the bigger retailers, uh, you know, from what what I've seen. And you know, if if I'm wrong, and any of your, the listeners have a better way to do it, get in touch. But uh, you know, you know, Crate and Barrel is going to pay net sixty. Uh, that's that's just the way they work. Um, we have been able, as we've grown, um, we have been able to to make a lot of traction on uh, 
our terms with our manufacturers. Um, you know, we're not we're not having to pay 50% upfront at the time of the purchase order, and we can, we can put, keep pushing that closer and closer to when we get the cash in. And if you're do if you're about a third, a third, a third, you can have some of your direct business support some of the retail business or float you in a perfect it, world. Um, it, exactly. If we if we didn't have that third of the business selling direct, um, we we would have to you know raise a lot more money. And you know some some CEOs are great at sales, some business development, uh, fundraising. What is your what's your day to day look like right now? And and what are you working on? Yeah, um, well, what I like working on um, is you know sales, marketing, and product. So thinking about you know what products we're going to launch next year, how we can position the products that we have out, or you know what new big account we can we can sign up. Um, you know that that gets me excited. Um, that's probably half of my day, uh, and the other half of the day is just kind of making sure um, that the machine's working. You know, finance, accounting, operations, occasional fundraising, making sure we have cash to to place new orders. Um, and then it's uh, it's been a, a lot more travel than I thought it would be. Um, you know, to visit international distributors or or factories in Asia. So when did this, you know, you started on Kickstarter, um, you know, a Kickstarter and a prayer, as they say, and, and how, when did you feel like this could really work as a, as a larger business? Yeah, great, great question. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm fully there yet, but I, we get closer to that feeling every day. Uh, it's funny, I look back and with the original Kickstarter campaign for Duo, we had raised two hundred thousand dollars in a month, and I was jumping up and down for joy. And I thought, I thought we had done it, and thought we had, you know, um, hit the ball out of the park. And and then shortly after that, you know, got punched in the face, realized we were going to, you know, lose a hundred thousand dollars to deliver these products. Uh, and it probably took another um, two years to get to the point where where you know I wasn't worried about going under each night. Um, the other big milestone for us uh, was about a year and a half ago when we did a second Kickstarter campaign for an, uh, our Stag electric kettle, the Stag EKG. Uh, and that, that campaign had done about $500,000 in 30 days. And post that campaign, you know, I think the team could, could breathe, breathe a sigh of relief and you know, sit back and say, it's, it's like, okay, we're on to something here. We're not fighting for our life you know, weekly. And how big is the business now? How many people and where are you based? Uh, oh, you mentioned San Francisco. Yeah, we're, we're based in San Francisco uh, on Valencia Street. We built out a, a space that's half, half retail, uh, half office. Um, and the team right now, if you include the, the contractors that, that work for us full time, we're up to 10 people. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's probably a bigger team than what we need, but we're, we have it ambitious goals for a new product launches in the next 12 months. So we've kind of ramped up to support that. And what's your master plan? What does fellow look like in, in five or 10 years? Yeah, good question. Uh, for us, we want to, we want to build tools to help people make great coffee. And I think we have a lot of runway left, um, with that vision. Uh, so yeah, we're going to continue to do that. We're going to complete the solution for the customer and, and the cafe. You know, be, beyond that, you know, I could see us moving into to other categories. Um, you know, bar and mixology, wine, craft beer, uh, 
you know, but always keeping that original ethos of beautifully functional design uh, at the core of what we do. And and you mentioned you would have started with a co-founder. Is there another piece of advice you wish someone had given you five or six years ago before you started the business? Yeah, I think grow at the pace uh, that allows you to build systems to support um, what you're delivering. Uh, you know, and it, you know, the advice there is, I think, think early on, we were just jumping on every opportunity that, that came to us, right? It's like, should we go on Amazon? Should we sell internationally? Should we sell to William Sonoma? Should we sell to thousands of cafes? Uh, and I think we had, we lost a bit of focus early on, uh, which, which caused unnecessary stress and kind of tension on the business. And, and you now we're getting into some loopy and fun questions, so enjoy the ride. Um, <laughs> you uh, you recently posted an Instagram picture with Jason Momoa, best known for being in Game of Thrones and Aquaman, but he was also in a little series I like to call the North Shore from the early aughts. That was actually a very good TV show. <laughs> Got canceled very quickly, uh, but it was about the manager of a hotel, and he was awesome in it. Uh, how did that come about? Why, why is Jason Momoa posing with, with fellow products? Yeah, that, that's, it was actually, that was actually just two days ago, completely random. So we're, we're in the back office and, and uh, Jake Mix is, is work, uh, an employee of ours working, is working this door and uh, sends a text back and just says, hey, says, hey, Jason Momoa is in the front. He had randomly stumbled in. Uh, so not trying to look too desperate. The team kind of all trickles out. Uh, I'm talking with him about our products, uh, explaining to him, you know, what what they all do. He's he's kind of into it, and he just goes, "Okay, I've got to go, but I'll come back." So he he leaves, and I'm like, "Oh, this is it," you know. Um, he comes back five minutes later, and just is like, "Let's brew some coffee." So we we just go we in in our store. We've got what we call the playground, which is this kind of brew bar where people can just come and brew brew the coffees that we have on hand. And we're brewing all this coffee, um, and he, we are, our electric kettle is in a matte black color. That's the only color that we offer right now. But we have a stovetop and polished. Um, so he's like, "Hey, I want the electric and polished," um, and like we don't have it. And he looks into the back office and sees uh, a copper electric kettle, and it was the only prototype that we had in the United States. We're going to l- launch this color in, in a few months. Um, and he's like, I want that. Uh, so we, we made a trade with him where we gave him the copper kettle in, in exchange for a picture with the team. And then we posted that on Facebook. It's an awesome picture. Everyone should go yeah. check it out <laughs> fellow, at fellow products on Instagram. That's really funny. It was a cool moment. He, he just came in and said, I want that. It goes into the back. Yeah. So Jason, Jason has the only copper electric kettle in North America right now. Is that going to impact your production? no we'll figure it out it's like (laughs) the team was screaming screaming at me afterwards like what are you doing jason please return that yeah (laughs) um so um and my friend scott and i have this ideal that we've been chasing for a few years which we call the perfect coffee sitch um this is a combination of the right cup of coffee the right chair the right scenery and very importantly top tier chit chat um, with each new product you release, I get the sense you're building towards that. Um, you might be envisioning something similar. 
So paint me a word picture here in a vacuum. What's your perfect morning coffee sitch? Uh, I want you name dropping brands. I want you shamelessly plugging your products. Uh, yeah. It could be your current ritual. It could be a fantasy ritual. Uh, do you go cream and sugar? Just cream, just sugar, like a lunatic? Who's there? With Who are you chit-chatting with? Take me through. Just paint it for me. Yeah, my... So I we do my perfect coffee stitch uh, monthly at Fellow. So at, at our retail store, we rotate through five different roasters every month. Uh, so every every month we get five new coffees in from all around the world that, uh, from all around the world that we we source, and these are the best of the best coffees. And when those five arrive, the whole team comes together and does a blind cupping of those five coffees. So it's this really fun moment where all five coffees, you know, are, are on the table. We're we're tasting we're tasting the coffees. We're cupping the coffees, uh, and then everyone is trying to guess um, which roaster is associated with each of the cups. So it's it's a blind it's a blind uh, blind taste test. Uh, it's just it's a ton of fun. We get the whole team together and we get to drink the best coffees in the world. Does anyone go five for five? So the uh, what's the odds of of randomly going five for five are one in one hundred and twenty, uh, and in the last three months, I think we've had three people uh, go five for five. Wow, you guys could be yep. coffee psalms. Is is a co- co- is a coffee psalm a thing? It's not a thing. They're called Q graders. Mm. Yep. So it's the kind of the psalm equivalent. Uh, I might have to stop by for one of those. Yep. That sounds like a yeah, good time. I'll invite. I'll invite it. Uh, one of uh, uh, my coworkers' brothers stopped in for one uh, and knew nothing about coffee. First time ever. Nails five for five and just like laughs at all of us and says, "This is like this is easy." That is. That's <laughs> like the. Uh, have you ever played the game where you get a bunch of wine bottles, half white and half red, yeah. and you <laughs> and you drink the white uh, at room temperature? You drink them all at room temperature. It's very difficult to guess which ones are white and which ones are red for a for a wine novice. At least it is. Yep. Yep. So maybe if you come in, Bill, you'll have uh, that beginner's luck and just knock it out of the park. That's my thing. That's what I'm going for. Uh, would you rather drink coffee in Seinfeld's Monk Cafe or in Friends's Central Perk? Oh, good, good question. Uh, Central Perk on that that big comfy couch. Uh, yeah, they had the big cups too. Yep. Yeah, that's a key. Uh, and oh, and and do you go with cream or sugar or cream and sugar in your coffee? No, we. I'm typically a black coffee guy. Uh, yeah. Every now, every now and then, just a, a splash of cream with with the right with the right coffee. Yeah, I go cream and sugar. At some point in life, I want to get to be, you know, be the black coffee guy. I'm definitely not there yet. You can do it. Yeah, uh, I, that's how I need to be. That's how I'll be the true Psalm or Q grader or whatever you said. <laughs> um, do you ever take a couple plays off and switch to decaf? No, 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 no. Yep, purist. Ten out of ten, purist. purist. Yep, I, I, I'm a purist. And then, is there anything else you want to talk about or plug? Uh, you know, if, you know, if you guys are ever in San Francisco, you know, stop by our new retail store and playground, come hang out, brew a cup of coffee with us, uh, and try the products in person. 
and it's at fellow products on Instagram. I truly, I know I've already plugged it once or twice on this call, but it's really awesome. It's a, it's, it is a great Instagram follow for anyone who likes drinking coffee or tea or anything. Uh, and occasionally you get to see Jason Momoa. So uh, <laughs> weird one, but good. Um, well, Jake, thank you so much. This was a delight, uh, and best of luck on everything and, uh, congratulations on all the success so far. Thanks, Billy. And thanks for having me.